The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> I shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Gaily Prophet podcast for two queer IRL witches. Uh, let me start over. Hello, and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast for two <laughs> queer IRL witches. Reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin. Possibly the best chapter in this entire book. Definitely. <clears throat> so, on a very special episode of Catfish, Harry discovers that not only is the cute boy he's been writing to not who Harry thinks he is, Tom has been catfishing Ginny Weasley the entire year too. Turns out Tom is a sliver of Harry's no, mortal-ish no. enemy who's been sucking the life out of Ginny via witching text message. Harry oh ends God. up defeating both Tom and the Basilisk with the help of a big-ass bird, the sorting hat, and the sword of Gryffindor. Jesse. <laughs> I'm deceased. <laughs> what have you done? I've been waiting like four so, chapters to be like, so this good. book is about catfishing and I cannot I'm wait. I'm crying. <laughs> Winnie is also having a very appropriate reaction to what you just read. That was she had to leave. So, so beautiful. Was... I have to leave too. <laughs> just, it was so good. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Teen shocked. Just absolutely shocked by dramatic anagram reveal. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking anagram. <laughs> We've been waiting since our second episode for the anagram reveal, and it's finally here. We're finally here. I'm, I'm very excited about it. We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Take it away. Uh, the hungry look in Tom's eyes is gay, gay, gay. <laughs> That's my first note. I feel like, yeah, I feel like part of this, and I should get into this a little bit later, but like, I feel like it takes Harry so long because he's just like, oh, this cute boy's gonna help me. He's like super helpful and like great and like a prefect. And yeah. it's like, you can't trust pretty faces. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I also have that in editorials, which is, I assume, where you have it. But it's just, like, every time Tom is described as uh, as looking at Harry, the, like, level of quote-unquote hunger in his eyes is bigger than it was the time before. It's just, like, hungry looks, that is, like, a sexual thing almost 100% of the time. Yeah. I can think of a few examples where it's not, like... Parents being reunited with children, looking at them hungrily because they haven't seen them in a long time. But most of the time, that is a sexual thing. And in this situation, it is a sexual thing. It sure is. <laughs> with lots of enunciation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, yeah, what do you have first? Um... I just want to point out that I just didn't like the description of uh, the statue of Slytherin's face being monkey life. I was like, but also this giant ostentatious statue of himself is so fucking ridiculous. Yes. Uh, I, in fact, have so much to say about the over the topness of Slytherin that I put it in editorials. Okay, great. Um,. I also, like, was a little taken aback by the, like, monkeyish description, because why? Yeah. Is it a statue of Slytherin himself, or is it just sort of, like, an arbitrary, this is what goes in a weird dungeon? I mean, when the Basilisk comes out, Tom Riddle is like, he, like, calls to Salazar Slytherin, which made me assume it was him, especially since it's, like, his Chamber of Secrets. Which is already ridiculous and ostentatious. Yeah. That of course he has a like hundred foot statue of himself carved into the wall. I know. But then also in my brain, all I could think about was the like villain and plant in the original Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it like is this Doctor Zay? Is this like a giant hundred foot statue of Doctor Zayas from from Planet of the Apes? Also, also, there's, like, a lot of Aladdin happening in this chapter, and the actual statue with the ruby that, like, makes the chamber in Aladdin collapse in that movie is a monkey. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it does definitely feel like, you're right, like, the end of a video game. Yeah. Um... So. Which doesn't mean that she shouldn't have like read that and been taken a step back and been like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Because yeah. she should have done that, for sure. Yeah. Especially since Slytherin already has a sort of like, not white name going on. It's like, come on. Come on, girl. Don't. But he's, if you said Slytherin or Salazar is a Spanish name, right? Yeah. Which is a white ethnicity. Like no one would sure. argue that like Christopher Columbus wasn't white. And he was sailing the ocean blue not that long after the <laughs> oh founding of Hogwarts. Oh my god. Columbus really was just Salazar Slytherin being... That's what he did after he left Hogwarts. 100%. Even more of the worst? <laughs> yeah. He was like, I have some better ideas about how I can be the absolute trash of the world. What if I got a <laughs> boat? <laughs> I, have, I have some more ideas about genocide I want to take into the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. We the front page isn't usually heavy anyway. This actually this bit between Harry and 
Tom also reminds me a little bit about in the BBC version of like Sherlock. There's like an episode where like Sherlock and Moriarty meet, and it feels a little bit like that where they're like, sort of like taunting each other, but it's also like sexual tension. So, anyway, cool. My next note is actually so I sort of have this in two places, so I'm going to combine it together, which is. So Riddle is super fucking goth, and I would like to revisit our, like, live journal conversation. (laughs) Uh, He sucks a lot, but I do want to say, much in the way that I, like, often appreciate Draco's shittiness, I love the line, she struggled and cried and became very boring. (laughs) I love it i love it (laughs) i just it's so it's just so good and mean and i hate him but i'm here for the line i mean he does so much good like villain monologuing in this chapter it's like i feel like overall the bits where tom and harry are talking or where tom is talking at harry which is a lot of it is sort of like I feel like it's interesting because I feel like you kind of get a sense about why people are drawn to him. Mm. And also just like, also what like a fucking dweeb he is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time. But also like, he's a dweeb, but also clearly a predator. But also like, you can see why people are like charmed by him and like, you know, I don't know. It's very layered. There, there's d- some moments like that one where I'm a little bit like, hey, <laughs> you're all like broody and shitty and smart. That's a type that I have that I've worked very hard to get away from. And I mean, it totally makes sense where it's like, yeah, he had a super close group of friends in, when he was in school. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense. And people would be like, oh, yeah, Tom's a great kid. And then... How you get from that to being like murdering people is like sort seems like a lot, but I guess if you're already a pure blood or what have you. I mean, he's not, but he. I mean, I I think what we see of Riddle in you know like book six and stuff when we're really meeting him, I, he's just like he's a sociopath. Is that the one that we mean? I always uh, forget. I I get them confused. I do too. But, you know, he, like, takes joy in others' pain and, like, murders small animals and, like... Yeah, and, like, he doesn't actually care about any of his so-called friends. But you can see where... And I feel like all of his friends at school probably were pure blood Mm -hmm. Slash are pure blood. And it kind of makes you see how he managed to charm them. Even someone who is, like, a poor orphan who was also a half-blood, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like... Seeing how long it takes Harry to be like, oh, Tom, come help me. Th- give me back my wand. We gotta we gotta get Jenny out of here. And it's like, bro, what do you think is happening Harry. in this situation? Harry, Harry. Yeah. I, in my book, when he finally gets to the point of saying, there was something very funny going on here. I wrote, oh, really? Like, internet, oh, really? O-R-L-Y? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Because it's, so far into the thing where it's so obvious that Tom is not on Harry's side and it 
Harry finally starts getting clued in. It's just like, buddy, come on. You know, it honestly, it feels a little bit like how we were com- we were questioning, like, why Hermione was, like, really just sort of, like, into Lockhart. And I feel mm. like a very similar thing is here, where it's like, something is... Something is not right here, but you're just like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah, Tom, come help me. Like, my, you know. Yeah. We'll get out of here together. It's dangerous here. And it's like. You gotta help me save my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And again, this is the same as Harry, um, like, getting dropped into the memory and just sort of being like, ooh, sorry. Like, let me get out of your office. Where it's like. Right away, he acknowledges, like, this kid was at Hogwarts 50 years ago he should not be here in the flesh right now. And he just rolls with it. Like his reaction is so completely baffling to, he should be incredibly shaken by the fact that Tom is there with a physical presence when he knows for a fact that he stopped being 16, 50 years ago. Yeah. But Lark, what in his education would have prepared him to be suspicious of any of this. <laughs> tears. <laughs> we really got to make those props. Single tear emoji prop face. We're going to build these when we're together. We have a craft night with construction <laughs> paper and popsicle sticks. Exactly. Great. You can do that when you're over. We can just drink a bunch of tequila and make crafts. Yes, please. We'll make a time-lapse video for Instagram (laughs) or Patreon or something. Um, Okay, so then the part two of that is just, like, Riddle is so goth. He's, like, take your time dying. I'm just gonna watch. Like, (laughs) buddy, holy moly. All right. (laughs) Just, um, it's incredible. I don't know. He's, like, living one of his, his angsty live journal poems in this yeah, in this and, scene. He, and he's just like reveling in it. Uh-huh. Just the longer you take, or the longer you talk, the longer you'll live. Just, I, it's incredible. It's like a cradle of filth song. <laughs> Is that a reference that anyone will understand? <laughs> I guess it depends on how many uh, millennials on the older end of the millennial generation are listening to this podcast yeah were you a a cradle of filth listener i was not a cradle of filth listener it was all you couldn't understand it unless you looked up the lyrics but it was like all super witchy like super metal but oh man bound to feed on bended knee in any wicked way that her whims may warrant Songs about, like, succubi and stuff, and I feel like that just, like, this is literally, like, Tom is living a Cradle of Filth song. I'm sure I've listened to a Cradle of Filth song. I'll send you one. (laughs) I'll stick a little snippet in this episode. No, people will turn it off. It's not good. I can't believe that the lyrics to these songs are coming back to me right now. My brain is full of wasted space. Yeah. That's how I feel whenever I think about how many, like, plots to X-Files episodes I can remember, but, like, not to take the trash out or do other important things I need to do in my brain. Or, like, learn a new thing. And then it's like, 
I need to like summon the information for a client about like what things you need to take along with iron to be able to absorb it and I'm like I'll have to look that up when we get off the phone but I'm like a cradle of filth song I memorized intentionally at age 13 no problem (laughs) (laughs) that's helpful oh man brains are the worst they're so silly uh okay anagram time is also I guess connected to riddle is so god Voldemort is my past present and future, he says. Just so... I feel like if Tom Riddle didn't hate Muggles so much, him and Myrtle could have been like BFFs. Oh my god. Right? Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> I. Is there another word for fag hag? That means the same thing. That's less gross. I feel like there is. I don't know what it is. But she just is such an ideal, like, would be such an ideal, you know, straight girl BFF to super flamboyantly queer Tom Riddle. They would have been such a good pair. They would have just said snarky things. They would have been, like, Karen and Jack. Yeah. Yeah, but like the goth version of Karen and Jack. Yes, which I want to watch that television show. That's I want to read that fanfic. <laughs> like I, holy shit, that's good. I'm stoked about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't know because we really went on at length, like 27 episodes ago, about this anagram. So. I feel like we have to really milk it now that we're here. Like, what do we want to say about the anagram? I just, I just feel like in context of everything else happening in this chapter, in this already ostentatious chamber of secrets, that it's just like, it's like Slytherins are just fucking drama queens. And this is like the, it's like, and it's not even just like, I mean, yes, Draco is an extreme drama queen, but it's, like, from the source. Yes. Like, being so extra and just going really hard on your aesthetic and being so committed to the aesthetic. You know what I'm imagining right now is Tom, um, like, making an animated, like, old-school gif for his LiveJournal cover page that... That is just constantly his name rearranging to I am Lord Voldemort and then resetting and then rearranging again. Because he does it in the air for Harry. And you know that's not the first time he's done that. No, he practiced the fuck out of that (laughs) spell. Like, that's not a spell. He invented that. And yeah, he just like sat alone in his four poster bed, like figuring out how to make that happen. And I bet his friends were like, cool, bro. (laughs) But but they knew better than to tell him that they didn't think it was cool. So they just like egged him on and he was like, fuck yeah, I'm so cool. And they're like, "Mm okay, Voldemort. Yeah, Tom, calling yourself Lord Voldemort is totally radical. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, that's not even 50s slang. I don't even, wait, 40s, 30s? 
So even more hilarious slang. Oh my god. <laughs> Some like rat pack slang. What even would it be? Also, we're in England, so we we definitely don't know what the slang would be. Um, okay, so Riddle has fashioned, he says, I fashioned myself a new name, a name I knew wizards everywhere would one day fear to speak when I had become the greatest sorcerer in the world. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised! Before a sultan, then you will cower before a sorcerer. <laughs> Genie, my second wish. I wish to be the most powerful sorcerer in the world. <laughs> Genie, stop! <laughs> so, speaking of this all being very Aladdin-like. So basically, what you're saying is that. Uh... Jafar is related to Salazar Slytherin. <laughs> Jafar might, in fact, be Salazar Slytherin. <laughs> when is Aladdin set? I have no idea. That time frame might... I don't know. Sounds. I have it no sounds idea. good to me. Sounds right. Yes. That is what I'm saying. I... It just made me so happy <laughs> to realize... <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to be able to watch Aladdin again without looking at Jafar and just being like... Well, (laughs) for real, though, because, like, his staff is, like, a snake that hypnotizes people. When he is a sorcerer, he, like, turns into a snake. He has, like, a room, a weird room full of, like, gold and, like, sculptures. And there's, like, a ton of snake shit going on. So... They're the same person. All right. Had canon accepted. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, fuck you, Gadra Gryffindor. I'm going to just. I'm going to Agrabah. <laughs> I'm going to take over an entire palace there. Oh, my God. So good. Anyway. Yeah, my last front page is just that the sort of Gryffindor sounds super decorative. Rubies the size of eggs are super heavy. That doesn't sound like a practical sword at all. And Harry's I... lucky it was sharp enough to kill a snake. I actually have something about that in my corrections. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> sounds accurate, yes. Um, my last <laughs> my last front page is that even through all that has happened, Ron still manages to be a dick to both Ginny and Myrtle. And Harry at the end of this chapter. I know. It's like, your sister almost died, and your best friend also almost died, but he managed to save himself and your sister, and you still have time to be a fucking asshole. So the only thing, like, what I thought about is that, so Ron didn't go through the actual trauma, so he's not in the same state of, like, stress burnout that Harry and Ginny are in. But he is in that thing that happens where, like, something really terrible has happened and then it's okay and your body gets flooded with adrenaline in, like, that other way and you want to just, you're kind of hyped and relieved in a way that you end up just being sort of 
people are like, what the fuck are you doing? This is an inappropriate way to be behaving right now, but it's actually just like a physiological response. And so I think that's what's going on for Ron here. And because Ron is a dick, it comes out as Ron being a dick. But I don't think it's because he's intending to be cavalier about what is going on. I think it's because he's in a weird aftershock state. Yeah. And I, and I also I also read it a little bit about him trying to, like, diffuse how tense the situation is by, like, making a joke. Yeah. Even though, like, Ginny is, like, sobbing hysterically and it's like, you, you tried, Ron, but really. Yeah. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Can we start with the fact that Harry flings... His wand away. That is literally my first thing. Literally my first thing. Harry, what? Why? Why? Is this not a thing they teach on day one, which is you are your wand. You need to have it at all times. I'm in a chamber. This girl's probably dead. Definitely there's a snake around that wants to kill me. I flung my wand away. No, sir. And I feel like this actually leads to a more interesting question, which is like, do they not have like wand like holsters or wrist straps or something to put your wand when you're like, you need your hands? Who is it? I know I'm thinking of a demon from Buffy, but I feel like there's maybe an X-Man or something. No, that has things that shoot out from their wrists, pointy things. There's at least one demon in Buffy that has that. Um, it's not a wand, obviously, it's for stabbing, but it seems like having some sort of like trigger activated arm band that you retract your wand into and then you just move your arm in a certain way and it pops up and then you can use it would be so good. Right. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Like, I just, people just like constantly holding their wands. Like, I feel like I need it, like, be on a chain or something or like, right, like a cool, like, it pops out when I flick my wrist kind of deal. They're like... On like a a glasses chain around your neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a wallet chain. <laughs> <laughs> or a wallet chain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Special no. wand pocket. Yeah. Yeah. So it it makes no sense for him to do that besides plot. But it also just begs the question of like, did he not have anywhere else to literally put... Isn't... Aren't his clothes, don't they already have built-in shit for you to put your wand? Because they should. They really should. It's ridiculous. And again, yes, plot, but I can, in this moment, think of at least two ways that Riddle could have gotten Harry's wand, such as rushing forward as if he was going to help with Ginny and then just taking Harry's wand and backing away. Yeah. Would have been fine. He still mm-hmm. would have gotten the wand. Would have been totally believable, which Harry flinging the wand away is not totally believable. It's like, oh, someone is in distress. Let me just throw my phone behind me. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're definitely going to need to call 911. Why did you do that? That's a bad plan. So I have have a theory that occurred to me reading this chapter. uh, Is that... I feel like Lucius Malfoy rediscovered Tom Riddle's live journals and be like, hey, you still around? And it's like, (laughs) and Tom's like, yes. 
Oh my Send god. Send me to Hogwarts. Oh my god. He like gets in a fight with Narcissa and is like, I'm gonna go write in that journal Voldemort gave me. I love it. That explains the plot that it we've explains been the plot. And then so it's confused like, about. And then of course Tom is just gonna catfish Lucius. Oh yeah, you're totally right. It is ridiculous to you know only have 12 white peacocks you deserve more of them <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Incredible. is like someone's dad who doesn't know how to use the internet being like oh yeah i mean everything i read here is totally true oh no <laughs> oh no don't make me feel bad for lucia's malfoy <laughs> oh god Listen, everyone just gets catfish in this book. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Why doesn't the Basilisk talk in this chapter? It clearly understands Tom and huh. Parcel Mouth. Huh. A truly excellent question. And Harry can hear it talk in the wall, so it does talk. It definitely talks. I don't know why it doesn't talk in this chapter to be like... Fuck you, Tom Riddle. I don't know. Something. Give me some giant bandages for my ruined eyes. Right. You kill the boy. (laughs) You kill this fucking bird, Tom. That would have been so great. (laughs) It's it's because of snarky back and forth between this, like, annoyed, injured basilisk and, like, Tom Riddle. No, you kill the boy. No, you do. (laughs) My fucking eyes. What kind of master are you? I'm in charge here. I'm the heir of Slytherin. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, my God. It just slithers away. He's like, fuck you. Oh, my God. <laughs> fuck you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing your dirty work anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go finally <laughs> eat somebody. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Speaking of drama, Slytherin was the most over-the-top fucking dude who has ever walked this earth. This chamber was meant for, like, himself and a couple people maybe ever. And he put so much work into this place. Was this, like, his downtime room? He's like, I need a little alone time. I'm going to go in my snake chamber. I'm going to go in my my snake cavern (laughs) with my snake pillars and my snake on the door. And then this like a hundred foot statue of myself. I'm just going to chill on my toes and like think about killing muggles. (laughs) You know. Oh no. Because what else? Like why else? Why? Also... You call it the Chamber of Secrets. You put some big-ass fucking stone snakes on the entrance, and then the inside is just like... If someone got in there and be like, wow, I wonder whose chamber this is. <laughs> oh, no. What if what if the basilisk's name is Secrets? Chilling out in its giant bed inside of Slytherin's skull of the statue. 
he goes in there and just pets his snake and rants at it in parcel tongue. There's more snakes carved on the inside. Of course. <laughs> There's like a plush velvet bed. Uh, I hope there is like a like a green like plush velvet bed. <laughs> there is definitely snakes embroidered on it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, Slytherin. Why? And it's like I like snakes, but at some point, wasn't anyone like maybe we could have a little bit more uh, in our Slytherin decor besides just snakes? Yeah, because it's not like the other common rooms are just full of fucking bad. I mean, badgers. Full of badgers. I'm in. That sounds great. Even though badgers Actually, I'd are be really down if they were just full fierce. Of badger print things everywhere. Badgers are awesome. Yeah. Hufflepuff's the original hipster wallpaper just covered in badgers. So good. Oh my god. I would definitely have that. Yeah. And you would even think that Godric Gryffindor would be just as pretentious, but I feel like we don't ever hear about there being a lot of lion stuff, like, in the common room or, like, no other places in the castle. No. That you could do because lions are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. In the UK, they love slapping lions on some shit. They really, really do. <laughs> lions and unicorns everywhere. Right. It's true. All right. I, there's probably a bunch of gargoyles at Hogwarts that are just a bunch of, like, lions and unicorns and eagles and badgers and shit. Yeah. So. Definitely. A couple of snakes, probably. Okay. <laughs> we'll put I guess one we'll put snake. snake. <laughs> uh, what's your next rant? I guess I don't know where this goes. So, okay, so I think this is the first instance that we get about... The similarities between Tom Riddle and Harry. Mm-hmm. Sad orphans, terrible muggle living situation, obsessed with Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just maybe want to... Because I feel like throughout the series, the sort of assumption that like the difference between like Harry and Tom is that like Harry is like capable of love. Mm-hmm. Which is like, okay, fine, whatever. Like, that's a good... You're in a fantasy novel, that's a perfectly good explanation. But, like, part of me wonders if it isn't just because that, like, Harry lineage isn't inbred to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Plus one terrible dude. Right. <laughs> like, and not to say that, like, people are born evil or born whatever. But, like... Nothing about the Gaunt seems stable or healthy. And I'm sure that being hella inbred didn't help that. Totally not. No. So. Or maybe it seems to be a lot of purebloods. It's kind of like, is this the lack, a lack of a support system? Or how inbred you guys are? Right. It's a very interesting question. I think that there are a lot more differences between... Harry and Tom. Oh, yeah, of course. Then then the book maybe wants us to read. <sighs> Namely, just that they're different fucking people. <laughs> but... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And Tom would have liked hurting people from a very young age, which is not a thing Harry has any interest in doing. Right, exactly. Um, 
But I also feel like this is also kind of where... And this is also where reading Harry as a person of color kind of, like, enriches this, where you're like... And I think... I have a talk, I have I have a little bit about this in politics where it's like handsome young white Tom Riddle who like thinks that he's owed all these things that he doesn't get mm-hmm. versus like let's say a like you know Indian Harry Potter who's like growing up in this white ass suburb and is like already feels so othered and different mm-hmm. and like how that kind of shapes how you view the world mm-hmm. where I feel like Tom Riddle has. It's like Tom Riddle's a white supremacist, yeah. for lack of a better word. And it's like, none of this shit is owed to you, dude. Like, sorry, circumstances of your birth suck. So do a lot of people. Right. And no one's out here torturing fellow eight-year-olds in a cave. Right. Come on, dude. Yeah. And then we'll talk about this more as the, as the books progress. And like, I mean, this comes up a lot in the series. And I do, I do feel like the books make it seem more like it's sort, of, it's sort of like, oh, Harry could have easily been Tom Riddle. When it's like, no, like having a shitty traumatic childhood will fuck you up, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go out and murder a bunch of people, which is shocking, relevant to the situation of our current political climate, where it's like, right, a lot of people get bullied in high school and only. Terrible white dudes seem to be taking assault rifles and murdering people, while the rest of us just don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. It right. I think this is definitely something that we'll have to keep circling back to because it just literally isn't as easy to end up as a sociopath as J.K. Rowling maybe wants us to think it is. And the argument, the argument about, you know, Harry could have been, I think it's an interesting question about JK Rowling that this raises because it almost makes it seem like she understands where Voldemort is coming from with this indication that Harry could have been that way. And... (sighs) Well, possibly a white Harry Potter could have been that way if it's, like, taking in the way that cis, straight white dudes thinks that the world should treat them. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I think that Harry is straight. But he, at the very least, is straight passing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, but also the majority of cis straight white dudes who get bullied or grow up poor or whatever have suffer from domestic abuse don't grow up to be mass murderers, right? Mm-hmm. They might grow up to be shitty human beings, but that's much much more common probably hundreds of times for every you know for every one maligned cis white dude who grows up to be a fucking murderer there are hundreds who lived through very similar conditions who don't grow up to be murderers 
right? right? So it's not, it's just not, the slope is not as slippery as she's painting it to be, I guess. Yeah. And so it's just kind of weird that it is, and maybe, maybe that's not the intention. Maybe the intention is that Voldemort wants it to be true that Harry could be like him. Maybe he's trying to use this similarity between him and Harry to justify his own behaviors. I think that is definitely true. I think that's, I think that's true. Cause I feel like Voldemort does. I think he does want there to be this sort of like, Oh, anyone could have ended up like me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, sort of in the middle of where Voldemort is and where Harry is. Maybe not quite the middle, but, like, we have Snape with shitty traumatic childhood, like, bullied, like, wants to prove himself to people and takes it more, and obviously is like, oh, yes, Voldemort, this is where I'm going to get this. And then at some point he's like, this is a terrible fucking mistake. (laughs) Too late, obviously, to be like, Whoops. Uh, bet on the wrong horse on that one. <laughs> Put my eggs in the wrong basket. Whatever Miss Mankles, like thing you want to say. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't feel like I have like a well thought out enough. But we'll definitely revisit it, I think. Yeah, and I mean this is this is just the beginning of like that sort of Voldemort almost wanting to have this like connection with Harry. Mm-hmm. That I mean he already does have a very deep connection with Harry of neither of them conscious, you know, necessarily being aware of until much later in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned for more discussions about this. Stay faith. tuned. Write in with your feelings about it to help us formulate what we're trying to say, because this is a big conversation for sure. Okay, so here's my last editorial. They thought, apparently, according to Tom, they thought that Hagrid was the heir of Slytherin. She gets expelled with everyone thinking apparently that she was the heir of Slytherin and that she had been setting the monster loose and immediately Dumbledore gets her job working on the grounds, living at Hogwarts where she could presumably still access the monster (laughs) and the chamber of secrets. What? That hasn't, that didn't even occur to me. I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe she, like, wasn't allowed in for a really long time into the school. Oh, God, that's tragic. Which seems, yeah, which just seems very sad. But if, I don't know, if Hagrid was all of a sudden spending all her time outside with, like, the creatures in the Forbidden Forest, I think she'd be pretty not like chill about it because it's still fucked up, but that's not that's not a terrible consolation prize. No, but it still doesn't, it doesn't make any sense from a, a a logic standpoint for the school. To was the logic 
well, getting expelled will have taught her her lesson. So, or was it, oh, without a wand, she won't be able to set the monster loose anymore? Probably. Uh, everyone seems to have an idea that if you don't have a wand, you basically can't do shit, which is only kind of true, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound like the past headmaster was really trying to investigate this very deeply. No. It's like, okay, so this, like, I should have a little bit, you know, of this in politics, but it's like, oh, this sort of, using finger quotations, like, monstrous and strange student isn't in my school anymore, and all these things seem to have stopped, so... Case closed. But she's literally still at the school. That's what I'm saying. She didn't go anywhere. She just went outside to a little cabin. (laughs) At 13. Which is fucked up. I... Yeah, that's fucked up. Maybe there was a very good gameskeeper who, like, took her under their wing and was, like, very, like, great... For her. Mm. But. I mean. I'm also assuming that if you're not a student. Or a teacher at Hogwarts. That it's very hard for you to get in. To the building. But she works there. On the grounds. Not necessarily inside of the school. Hmm. I mean magic. Yeah. I still feel like it's a very weird series of events. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, and it's clearly just to be like, oh, we punished someone, and it stopped, so it worked, but, like, not really thinking, looking any deeply into it. I feel like the incompetence of witches in these books makes me believe that it's less of a correction and more of a, like, literally half of the people are just fucking incompetent. Yeah. That sounds that sounds accurate. <laughs> Hogwarts has a long, long history of utter incompetence. Like nothing about these series makes me think that most witches are competent at anything. Just no common sense. Well, we expelled you, so clearly you won't set the monster loose anymore. For sure, you can stay on as gamekeeper. No, no, no. That's that's ridiculous. So. Yeah. And, like, to be honest, if it wasn't this, it wouldn't have surprised me if, like, the headmaster wouldn't have, like, gotten Hagrid kicked out over some other bullshit mm. reason. Um, mainly because it it seems like, even from a young child, it's very clear that Hagrid has a lot of giant in her right. background. Yeah, it seems like maybe Hogwarts would have been responsible for her after her dad died, too. And maybe this was a way to, um, obviously, she still would have been, like, living on the grounds. But it was a way for them to be responsible for her in in a way that would have put them in, like, a different legal position. Not that there's really any, like, child safety or protection laws. Right, legal protection world. for anyone. That That's a, not a thing that happens. Yeah, who's going to sue, sue Hogwarts for letting a 13-year-old stay alone on the grounds all summer? No one. I mean, Hagrid wasn't alone. She has Aragog. <laughs> and probably <laughs> no. whoever no. other weird 
animals in the forest she's befriended. She is Snow White. You know she had a ton of animals. I know. I understand that, but that doesn't mean that that's a reasonable thing at all. No, it's. I don't don't think it's reasonable. What I think is that 13 year old Hagrid would have looked on the bright side and be like, cool, more animals to hang out. Mm. Um, But there should have been adults being like, this is fucked up that we're having this 13 year old work on the grounds. Yep. Like. Yeah, Dumbledore's solutions to to helping people are often very much, uh, what? Are you, is that, are you sure? Is this really the best scenario <laughs> that you can come up with? Oh, let's just have this kid be gamekeeper. Don't kick her out into a world with no wand for something that she didn't do when she's a fucking half giant and definitely can't live in the muggle world. I mean, all it was, where was Hagrid going to go after being expelled besides Hogwarts? Nowhere. Which I think is the concern, like more concerning than having, because at least if she's working at a school, there are, other people around to keep an eye on her. Like, if she didn't stay on it as the apprentice gamekeeper or whatever, like, she would have just been out in the world with, yeah, no wand and probably not a lot of money and, like, a third grade, not a third grade, but a I, I, only an education of, like, you know, a 13-year-old. Yeah. And a completely useless education without a wand. Yeah. Like... You don't learn anything at Hogwarts that doesn't require a wand. Which brings back the whole conversation about why was her wand snapped for getting expelled when it doesn't sound like she actually got in any legal trouble. Right. But brings up the question of why doesn't she get a wand after this book when it's like, oh, we were wrong. You didn't do the thing. Excellent question. The fact that Hagrid never gets a wand is fucked up. It is super fucked up. Yep. Oh, maybe Hermione convinces her to go back to school, like, later on. Uh, she would! She totally would. Hermione would be like, you should do it, Hagrid. I'll tutor you. I'll get you a planner that screams at you. <laughs> <laughs> she would. Totally. She would. Hermione would, in fact, get that for him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things... That are fucked up. So we we can all agree that the way in which Tom is possessing Jenny for an entire year is horrifying and fucked up. Mm-hmm. I don't think she ever gets help for this <laughs> afterwards. And what does that do? What like how does that affect poor Jenny, who spends a year being possessed by? An evil, a piece of an evil wizard soul and like losing all this time and just like, and everyone's just like, well, you're alive. So have fun in your second year of Hogwarts. Oh my God. Wow. I've never thought of that before. That is so fucked up. It's too bad there's no fucking therapist. And and it's it's funny because isn't there a bit in a later book where Ginny's like, 
oh yeah i was possessed by tom riddle you could have talked to me about it harry yep and then like they don't ever talk about it but i'm like you guys should talk about it actually <laughs> this is a like yeah no one else in the world is going to be able to know about this fucked up experience of being catfished by tom riddle so like y'all should uh talk about this yeah i don't know it's just gross and i am glad that jenny at least in the surface seems to come out of it as an all right person she does she's one of the most well-adjusted characters in these books but that is pretty miraculous considering the events of this book and her home life where definitely she's not processing any feelings right and there's probably a ton of pressure on her as like the daughter that like molly always wanted which i'm sure is very i'm sure it comes with a lot of expectations that jenny's like yeah no no thanks yeah that's definitely true also I just, I just want there to be witching therapists. I just want that so badly. <laughs> someone could make a killing. Like, someone could have made a bajillion galleons being like, witching therapy. Do you have PTSD from being in like two wars? Come talk to me. Yeah. We're going to dump it all into a pencil. We're going to go through it. It's going to be great. Oh my God. I will never be satisfied by therapy again. <laughs> Oh, man, I just want to go through my shit in a pensive with a third party, a qualified third party. That sounds great. That sounds cringy as fuck, actually. Terrible, but great. So much easier. That's fair. Exposure therapy via pensive, a thousand times easier. That's true. And it would be really great because I feel like in therapy, it's like... It's about, like, trying to get a perspective of, like, on my, like, my, like childhood trauma. And it's like, ugh. <laughs> Thinking about it objectively from an adult's heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're right. Someone should have stepped in. You're correct. Uh, anyway. Yep. A million gallon idea is th- therapy. Yep. <sighs> um, yeah, what else is in politics? Um... Just that when Tom is laying out why peop- why the headmaster believed him versus Hagrid is like just it's the most like succinct example about how bigotry works in this world, especially since it seems like no one is trying to like. I don't know, find evidence or try to, like, get, like, other, like, outside opinion about what's going on. It's, like, hardworking, handsome, white, sad, orphan Tom Riddle versus tender, queer, monster-loving Hagrid. Yep. That is very, very true. Which is really deep to have in a book for kids, actually. And never really, I guess maybe it is visited. We do, we do get like a pretty careful treatment of Hagrid's giant identity, which is good. Yeah. Which. Except in a lot of ways it's not, but. 
I mean, it's interesting the way way we find out about it in book four, where it's like Hagrid basically coming out to Madame Maxine in a way where like Harry's like, oh, this has literally never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. In a way which, and because Harry is, you know, he's not from the witching world. He's a little, he's, I mean, he's a kid. But like, what is clearly from the first three books, like happening around him, the awareness of how other adults view Hagrid at a sort of like a missing piece about like how Hagrid is treated and how other people treat her, which Harry just isn't aware of until book four. Right. Yeah. We should probably leave that conversation in book four, but yeah, I'm like, I have so much to say about it. I have so much to say. (laughs) Oh man. That, when we get to that chapter, that's just going to be like two hours long of us talking about how queer that entire scene is. So gay. Okay. Welcome to the classified section. <laughs> Where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. <laughs> Subject, independent queer podcast, Seek Sugar Parents. Us, a self-produced podcast doing its very best to make the world a better and queerer place one episode at a time. You, a lover of our content who values our work and wants to see us succeed in life. We will give you many perks in exchange for your support. Make a one-time donation through our website and get awesome merch in exchange or become a patron and get tons of bonus content. You can't go wrong either way. Um, We are still working towards our first Patreon goal, which when we meet it, we will start having all of our episodes transcribed as they come out. And also you will be funding one episode's worth of our time per month. And that will be very exciting and we'll make continuing to put this podcast out weekly a doable thing. I, as the, as the producer of this podcast, want to be real straightforward that I am currently working beyond my, um, capacity as a disabled person and it will not be sustainable long-term. So getting some financial support will be really good. The alternative is that we go to bi-weekly, so... That's that's another option, I guess. Which I don't think y'all want. So uh, consider donating or becoming a patron. Yeah. Jesse just made the cutest face, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if you had seen it, you would be rushing to Patreon right now. <laughs> All right. As always, I have to steal myself for reading our next... personals here it is subject don't leave me on red we were messaging for a while and it seemed really good i thought we were making a connection but then i opened up to you like a diary and suddenly you were gone i can't lie i'm still hungrily looking for you i might even be a little obsessed how dare you leave me on red like this I'd do anything to see your face, even if only to watch you die. Please write me back. 
Sincerely, Snubbed Snake Summoner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, emo Tom Riddle. Uh Welcome to the Health and Science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and our science. All right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more... About phoenixes. Um, this is a chapter where we get a more detailed description of Fox, um, which is pretty great. I will also go on the record to say that I do not like the way that Fox looks in the movies. I, I don't know what they were trying to go for, but it's not a beautiful creature. It's a weird creature. I don't remember. I've only seen the movies twice. I hate the movies, so... Uh, it's not great. Um, but, and so I was thinking about, in my in my brain, like, what is my ideal look of what I feel like the phoenixes in these series looks like. And I think that they look like bearded vultures, which is a very large breed of vulture. So they're huge. But also... They like to decorate. They like to dye their the feathers around their head red. What? Like they'll purposely seek out like red dirt. Shut and up. so look for red bearded vulture, and there. And we'll also post a photo on our social media. Oh, they're because they look so awesome. beautiful, right? And they have the hook beaks, and they have like the be- and they're like huge, and they're like majestic looking. Yeah. They have cool they, eyes. This is not anything that I would have imagined when I think of the word vulture. They are gorgeous. They also eat. They also eat bones and bone marrow. It's very gosh. Um, which leads me to my next point about the description of the of fox having both talons and a hooked beak. Makes me think that phoenixes are some kind of bird of prey. Totally, definitely, or. Vulture. You can't be <laughs> a bird that big and not be a bird of prey. There's no such thing. I mean, there are a lot of large birds that are not birds of prey. Are there? Swans, for instance. But, uh, but uh, wait, beard- they eat like fish and stuff, don't they? No? Do I not know what a swan eats? Algae? Actually, I guess I don't know what a swan eats either. But anyway, yes. Uh, Phoenixes are definitely some kind of bird of prey. And I feel like they look much cooler. They look much cooler in real life than I think the movies want to portray them as. They have like beautiful peacock tails, like long peacock tails. Yeah, like, they're fucking awesome. Phoenixes are definitely beautiful. I don't know what they look like in the movies, but for sure, it not should be a beautiful bird. <laughs> they do not look beautiful in the movies. I think mostly it's just really a really bad like puppet design oh. for them. So it's too bad because I feel like I've seen a lot of beautiful weird bird puppets in early 90s slash late 80s movies. Yeah, I mean, if they would have gotten a cool Jim Henson puppet, it would look awesome, but that is not the way that Fox the Phoenix looks, unfortunately. Um, So speaking of Fox, I would really like to know how this, like, summoning works, where all Harry has to say is Dumbledore's not as gone as you think, and Fox is like, that's my cue. (laughs) <laughs> how does that work i don't know i imagine that phoenixes are super intelligent 
I'm assuming Dumbledore was like, Harry's probably going to do something dumb in the Chamber of Secrets. Keep an eye on <laughs> So you think the bird's been following him or that it's been hanging out in the Chamber of Secrets? But Dumbledore doesn't know where the Chamber of Secrets is. Yeah, but Fox still had the sorting hat. I know. To give Which is to another Harry. question. How did Fox know what would happen when he gave Harry the sorting hat? Did Dumbledore tell Fox to take the sorting hat? Is Dumbledore at the school? Is this a witch NSA watch? I have so many questions. <laughs> How? Because Harry literally does almost nothing in this whole scene. Fox That's does 100% of the saving of everyone here. It's like, I brought you this thing. I healed your wound. Like, don't forget to like, here's the diary. You probably want to kill that. Like, Fox is the I mean, only one. Harry, I mean, Harry did stab the basilisk through the roof of its mouth, so. Because Fox brought him the sword. That's true. Which, why did Fox not just bring the sword from Dumbledore's office instead of bringing the sorting hat? I'm assuming that the sword was not in his office until Harry pulled it out of the hat. When Dumbledore wills the sword to Harry, doesn't the minister say that it belongs to the current headmaster of Hogwarts? I don't remember what he says about it. I feel like, I guess I was always under the impression that, like, no one knew where the sword was until this time because Voldemort would have made it a horror crux I feel like if he knew where it was so I feel like I was always thinking that like when Harry pulls it out of the sorting hat no one knew that it was there or wherever the sorting hat was keeping that I don't think the sorting hat was keeping it I think what we're given to understand in later books is that the sort of Gryffindor presents itself to a worthy Gryffindor in a time of need so it's charmed because that's how it like gets from grip hook to neville in the seventh book is because neville is in need though again it's via the sorting hat so maybe the sorting hat is just a vehicle for presenting maybe that's how the charm works which would make sense because the sorting hat would know every gryffindor that has ever existed Mm mm-hmm to be able to be like well i guess uh neville longbottom over here gets this and it was Gryffindor's hat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never mind. I accept. My second health and science thing is our basilis is our basilisk dinosaurs. Why? Because they're giant snakes with giant fangs. I don't know. I guess they're giant lizards, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, in I as guess- much as all reptiles are dinosaurs, yes. That's fair. But there weren't any snake dinosaurs, were there? They all had legs. There is one giant snake dinosaur. I actually looked this up. Oh my god. Tell me. Uh, Everything. It's called the... It has a really ridiculous name, like the Taita Cobra or something. Taita... Titanoboa. That is <laughs> it's the name of an this absurd ju- name. Right? It sounds like something from Harry Potter, it but it's actual. This is the actual no. name uh, of this giant snake that uh, was 42 foot long and uh, 2,000 pounds. And it lived 
60 million years ago. Okay, so this is a question that I have is I don't understand. I cannot get my brain around the size of this snake. So IRL, like length to circumference proportions of snakes, that snake would have to be hundreds of feet long to be as big around as I imagine the snake is. But then Harry describes him and Ginny stepping over the coils of the snake on the way out, which then makes me think that I'm totally wrong about how big around I think the snake is. Because I think it's like this big around. What is that? Like two feet in diameter. But So she describes it as a length around of an oak tree, which can be, I looked this up, oak trees can be as wide as nine feet? Yes. So... But I think a standard oak tree that you would think of is probably more like two and a half to feet, three feet diameter. Right. So even if it's like three or four foot wide, yeah, it has to be fucking huge. But you don't just step over something that big, do you? Maybe they were stepping over the tail bit, which is probably much shorter. Okay. So is it then hundreds of feet long or is it like a little chode snake? (laughs) I'm really sorry I just said that. (laughs) Oh no, okay. It has been eating rats for God knows how long, and it's... I don't know. The size of the snake actually is confusing just because... Right, all we're getting is like... It was the width of an oak tree, and it's like, okay, but reasonably that must be like hundreds of hundreds of feet long. Right, because if you think of, I mean, a fucking, like, even, like, a giant python is maybe, like, you know, 15 feet long and is still only not even a foot, like, diameter. Yeah. And that's big enough to be terrifying. That's they can kill the fuck out of you. Yeah, I mean, like, giant, like, boa constrictors, I mean, are terrifying. Yeah. It's all very mysterious. Yeah, it it shouldn't in reality be a humongous snake that they'd have to like climb physically, like whole body, like rock climb over. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Corrections, where we correct stuff. So my first correction is a thing that we mentioned, I think we talked about earlier in this book. In this chapter, there's a mention of werewolf cubs which aren't a thing from the third book shouldn't be a thing but uh jkr has retroactively tried to make this work i believe i've mentioned this before about boning werewolves produce hyper intelligent wolves that live in the forbidden forest which is the worst retcon I think I've ever heard in my entire life. I have life. a question. Okay, so if a werewolf fucks another werewolf while ovulating during the full moon and gets pregnant, nine months later, a human being, assuming they aren't giving birth during the full moon, then births wolf puppies yep do they gestate for nine months or only the like eight weeks that a dog gestates 
Do you have one or like six? These are all excellent questions. I hate that... this. <laughs> Pottermore did not have the answer for me. Um, I would assume a f- at least a few different. Because like baby wolves are teeny and the human uterus is not teeny. So. I'm not having I... any of this, Jesse. No, it's ridiculous. It is a ridiculous it's a ridiculous retcon to try to cover up what is a clear correction about how werewolf cubs don't exist. Y'all, just own it when you fuck up. This goes for literally everything in your whole entire life. Just <laughs> own it when you fuck up. Your life will be so much better. So here so I just want to say that we are gonna continue to see this as a correction because hyper-intelligent wolves born of people is just too much. Too much. Absolutely not. That's not happening. We're not allowing uh, I say it, but I, Okay, but I do have two actual corrections. That's, that is an actual correction. <laughs> this is a, like, wishy-washy correction, I feel like. Okay, well, what are the In other? which we're just pretending to... We're just going to ignore the, like, bullshit that's Yeah, because us. we already have officially rejected any, like, extra canon nonsense of hers so which is definitely qualifies us. yes if it's on right. Pottermore then we don't believe it unless it's also in the books <laughs> alright Fox yes. Fox the Phoenix yes. is described as being the size of a swan and then perching on Harry's shoulders <laughs> <laughs> Harry Harry's Potter is a... the same amount as a swan <laughs> Harry is probably weighs the same amount as oh a swan. And if we even pretend that fox is like magically lighter as a bird, swans have a 10 feet we- 10 feet wingspan and can be 5 feet long. There is no way a that fox would be physically able to perch on Harry's anywhere in his body, let alone one of his shoulders. This is the funniest thing I've ever thought about. I'm so grateful I... to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading. I was. I've read this book. I don't even know how many times. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, "Wait, Harry is a teeny baby. He cannot <laughs> If anything, Harry would be able to get on Fox's back and be like, "I'm good. There's enough space for me." Oh my like... god, that's so good. Oh, oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> Even if Harry, like, spread his arms out, I don't think he would He would just, like, down. tip over. He would just <laughs> He would just crumple to the ground. Oh, my God. Under the weight. Unbelievable. Oh. All right. My second correction, which is actually very similarly along this line about Harry being a tiny baby, is the sword. Mm-hmm. Which almost knocks him out coming out of the hat. And is described as having rubies the size of eggs. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not. It doesn't say what kind of egg. If you imagine chicken eggs, which is, I think, what I've always imagined, mm-hmm. the hilt of the sword would have to be, like, six inches around. Like, Harry, both of Harry's tiny hands couldn't fit around this. If we're, like, quail eggs, maybe. Quail eggs are tiny. If the rubies the size of quail eggs, he could probably actually pick it up and maneuver it around 
But if it's heavy enough to almost knock him out... I feel like a normal sword would be heavy enough to almost knock you out if it just, like, vertically, like, thwacked into your head. That's... This sword should have cracked Harry's skull open and killed him. Yeah, or at very least he should have blacked out and then Tom would have murdered him because the snake would have fucking eaten him. Yeah. So, and even... Okay, wait, though. So, sorry. What if it's the size of eggs in circumference, but it's a slice of ruby? Oh. That's just, like, embedded. But would his teeny hand still be able to get around the sword and use it? I mean, he's he's used with two hands or one hand? I don't remember. Two hands. Okay, two hands. I guess if it's, like, a sliced in... Half of an egg. It would, I like mean, with gemstones, it can even be like an eighth of an egg. That's true. And if it's embedded so that the oblong is vertical down the sword, then it the sword could maybe only be like three inches around at the top of the hilt. That would make sense. It also means that the hilt of this sword looks like a dildo. <laughs> A ruby studded dildo, which is very, very much the kind of dildo Slytherin would have gone for. Listen, they have those like those like gold plated vibrators that are like fancy. There, there are gold plated vibrators out there. I believe you. I just don't understand why. (laughs) Because to feel fancy, I guess to feel rich. Right, like, I mean, it's just, like, like there's brands that make their regular vibrator only, like, gold-plated, and they're just, like, so much more money. And I'm like, who the... F-? Like, are just rich people buying this to be like, ah, uh, yes, look at, my, look at my gold vibrator. I guess I feel the same way about that as I do about, like, glass dildos, where I'm like, that's an uncomfortable material, so, like, why? I don't know. I, I just feel like glass near any kind of... any genitals seems like... A bad idea, even if it's, like, sturdy enough not to break. You'd just be like, but if it broke, it'd be the literally worst thing ever. It was fucking most terrible. Absolutely. I have too much anxiety for that. I'd be like, oh, hell no. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, Harry is too tiny for any of the things that have happened to him in this chest. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, too, <laughs> like, a sword with rubies that big, that's not a sword that's meant for stabbing. It's a sword that's meant for looking at. And so it's, like, honestly miraculous that that sword is even sharp enough to, like, have a 12-year-old jam into the roof of the mouth of a snake that apparently is as big as an oak tree. Is that goblin wrought silver? Metal? What is the it can't possibly be silver. Silver is really soft. What do they say? I can't even remember what they say the sword is made out of. Something cool, because it doesn't rust. Basilisk I'm... venom impregnated. Maybe it like holds its edge really well. Maybe if the goblins make it, you, you don't have to sharpen it or anything. Well, the decorative swords are just not meant to, not made sharp to begin with, because they're meant to go on your wall and not to be used. That's what I'm saying. Not like yeah. it should be dull from lack of use, but that like a sword with rubies and its hilt is not meant to be fought with. It's meant to be looked at. Unless you're extra like maybe Godric Gryffindor was with your fucking ruby hilted sword. That's actually really true because him and Slytherin <laughs> were BFFs before the falling out. 
And so maybe they just both were like, you're such a dandy. Oh, you're such a dandy. Like, look at my emerald blinged scabbard. Look at my ruby crusted sword. We're so fancy. Which is adorable. Oh my god, what if what if Gryffindor gave Slytherin the locket and there was a picture of like the both of them? No, in there? stop it. I'm dead. <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh my god. It's just like BFFs really tiny on the back. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet. The Gaily Prophet is produced, mixed, and edited by me, Lark Malachi Gray. And you can support us in a number of ways, which Jesse will tell you about now. You can like and review our podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Um, you can also do that on Facebook. We can see them, and we really appreciate that. Um, you can also tell all your friends about our podcast, encourage them to listen to us. Uh, we are super cool and you should let everyone know how cool we are. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We are at the Gaily Prophet on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to spread even more of the love, you can buy one of our t-shirts at our website, thegailyprophet.com slash shop and wear it around. People will definitely compliment you and then you can tell them more about our here podcast fun fact about that uh theo our comic artist recently wore one of our t-shirts to a mel blum concert and got three compliments within the first five minutes of being there so if you're looking to meet queers gaily profit t-shirts super good way to do it and then you can give them your number and you know we can help bring people together be like let me write down the name of the podcast and then just happen to write your phone number under we can listen you can come over, we can listen to it. Oh my god. We can make you some dinner. If you have a Gaily Prophet meet cute, we will have you on the podcast for a special episode where you talk all about your Gaily Prophet meet cute because that would be the tenderest, most heartwarming thing in the entire world. That'd be so great. We would definitely put a photo of y'all on our social media too. With like lots of little hearts. So many hearts. Um <laughs> You can also support us on Patreon, which we have not said yet in the past hour. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash the Gailey Prophet. Uh, we have four different tiers. So if you got five on it, you can join us at the $5 level and reach so many cool perks. So many. Um, you can also, on our website, thegaileyprophet.com, um, submit a one-time donation to us. Your favorite queer people. <laughs> yes. Yep. You get a bunch of rad merch when you donate. So, and it's laid out. Every donation tier comes with a different amount of rad merch. Speaking of our website, you can also write a letter to the editor there by clicking on letters to the editor. So if you have thoughts or questions that you would like us to answer on a letter to the editor episode, you can use that form to submit, or you can just email us at thegailyprofit at gmail.com. If you would like to find me in between episodes, I am on 
the internet at larkmalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com where you can learn about all the varied things that I do for money when I'm not making this podcast and obtain some of those services if you want them. You can also find me on Instagram at larkmalakai or at radicalhealer. And you can find me on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. Uh, feel free to drop me a line and let me know if Slytherins are the Targaryens of the Harry Potter series. Let me know. I bet that means something, but I don't know what. That's <laughs> <laughs> Just another family of inbred people who love lizards. That's all. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <laughs> our, our music was by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler winning by Sarah Sarwar. And our show art and any comic that you see on our social media is by Theo Julian Forrester, um, who has also made an excellent drawing of both of our faces wearing Gryffindor uniforms, which is honestly the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, it's great. All right. And until next time. Catfish, hat trick, tinoboa, anagram. You really love our podcast. No use denying it. And you know that we love you. Cause we make you such bad. Weird.